Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter number three. How many of you ever gone through a real difficult time? <clears throat> How many of y'all know the phrase going through the fire? Yeah, there's a, there's a reason that Peter said that about the fiery trials. I truly believe that he was in reference to uh, what the three Hebrew children went through. And tonight we're going to be covering chapter number three. Hopefully we're going to make it all the way to the end. I got a lot of material to give you. And, and we're going to look at some of the practical, uh, uh, what was happening in that particular period of time, what we can learn from it and apply it when we go through difficulties, when we go through hardships and trials. And then what is the prophetic picture that we see here and that we find in the book of Revelation, okay? So, Daniel chapter 3, if you found your spot, say amen. amen. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, all them people, say amen, amen. were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried and said, to you it is, what's that word? Commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you'll fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations and the languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, somebody didn't do what you said. There we have some people, we have some people that didn't fall down, they didn't worship. And, and listen, these are these Jews that you put in high ranking positions. Not trying to make no accusations, but this is, you know, these are who you put in there. Then verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time you hear the... the he basically has given them a second chance. You know, he is... He is I, think, I think the king, in some ways, kind of liked the, the, the boys. And, and listen, we're going to give you one more chance. And, and, and this, it'll be all right. We'll, we'll overlook that, 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 that indiscretion and, and, and your refusal if you'll just say, we're going to give you another, another try, another chance. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We're, we're, we're really not going to beat around the bush about this. If it be so, our God whom we serve is, amen. say amen. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, but if not, boy, we need some, but if not, Christians. There are so many Christians today who will serve God if they get their way. 
Lord, if you will do this, then I will do this. It it, it can't be that way. It it has to be, God, we want you to do this, but if you don't, we're going to serve you anyway. Amen. Amen. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for all the folks that are here tonight. Lord, what a blessing it is to gather together around your word, around the the supper table and sit and eat of the bread of life. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll fill us tonight. I pray that you'll let everybody get what they came for. Lord, I don't want anybody to leave hungry. I don't want anybody to leave disappointed. I pray that we'll all be satisfied with the spiritual meal you serve tonight. God, give me the words I need to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. and Don't let me forget anything I should. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide every word, everything said. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I've, I've got, I've got several, several outlines out of this chapter that I've preached over the years. Uh, just a few months ago, uh, maybe last year, this year, I can't remember. Uh, I, I preached on the, the subject, but if not, but if not, what are some things we need to remember if God doesn't answer our prayer? If God doesn't move in the way we ask him to, if God doesn't do uh, what we need him to do, we think we need him to do, what, what do we do then? What are some of the things that we can learn from that? Man, it was a great, great, I, I was going over it and thinking about uh, all the things that we shared back then. And, and I, I don't want to do a, like a topic in this particular chapter. I want to do a study of the chapter. If that makes sense, say amen. In, in other words, look at everything, look at everything, not just the end thing. Uh, we'll get to the end thing. We all know what happens and we all know they're walking around in the fire and they come out. Say amen. amen. But what does the whole chapter say for us? What does it have for us tonight? So with that being said, let's start at the top and, and what we'll do instead of having three points in and in an illustration and, and really preach hard on those three, I'm going to, we're just going to work through the chapter. And so we we have more information. So we got to go a little faster. If that makes sense, say amen. So we, we might be writing faster. We might spend very little time on one sub point and, and a little more time on the other, but we're going to make it through. All right. So number one, let's look at the image. First of all, in the very beginning of this chapter, we find an image. We find an image. Number one, Daniel uh, uh, is, is, is giving us an understanding. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Three things about this image that we can write down and we'll talk about. First is description. First is description. It's made of gold. It's 90 foot tall and nine foot wide. That's pretty impressive. Say amen. Imagine a statue. Imagine a statue uh, eight stories to nine stories tall out in the middle of a plane. It was put in such a way that you would be able to see it for miles, for miles away. You would be able to see this statue. It's made of gold. It's made shiny, made glimmering. I don't believe it was solid gold just because of the amount of gold it would take to build something of that nature. I believe it was probably made of wood or, or carved out and then overlaid with gold. But what you see was gold. All right. And so very impressive, very beautiful. Uh, the, the description now, I believe, I believe, I can't 
prove this 100%, uh, but I believe from, from what we're going to see at the end of this, uh, I believe this was an image of Nebuchadnezzar himself. Uh, some I, I've read behind some scholars, and, and they believe that it was a, a, an image of one of his gods and, and, and of that nature, but I truly believe that this image was an image of Nebuchadnezzar himself. Uh, and, and we'll see, we'll see in, in point number two, a little bit of what I'm talking about, but either way it was set up, it was put in a plane, an open, open field. And, and, and then we see, uh, the size of it, the description of it, the grandeur, it was, it was massive, massive. Then we see B it's dedication. It's dedication. He didn't just put it up. We're going to have a ceremony. We're going to have a ceremony. Uh, we're going to dedicate this thing. Verses number two and three. And in that dedication, in that dedication, he wants all of the people or specifically the representatives, the leaders of over all of the provinces. Now, let me say this to kind of give you a a, a little uh, review or reminder of what we covered in chapter number one, and chapter number two. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was massive and he had many nations many nations, many languages, many groups of people underneath his rule and underneath his empire. If you remember that, say amen. And so he would go into a nation, he would go into a nation as as Israel, and we know what he did. He took the best of the best out of Israel, took them captive, and then he began to invest in them and train them and develop them to be good Babylonians, right? Just like he did with the three Hebrew children and did with Daniel, taught him in all the sciences and all the maths and all the all the the the, the wisdom of the Babylonians and then put them over these provinces, all right? These are the people they're calling in. They're not calling in all the people. They're calling in the leadership or the, the leading representatives of all of the nations, the languages, and the peoples. If that makes sense, say amen. They're coming. They're coming. And they're coming to this ceremony. They're coming to the dedication of this image. And they will represent all the people back at home. Uh, now, so we have the three Hebrew children here. They are representing all the Jews that are in captivity here in Babylon. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So all of the leaders from all the captive people, all of the conquered nations that are under the sphere of King Nebuchadnezzar, all of those high uh, uh, representatives are here to represent everybody else and they're coming to this ceremony, okay? Now, C, write this down, C. We find that the description, the dedication, and the declaration. They're not just coming to a souped up party to see a cool, shiny statue. Now we find a declaration. What is the declaration? Verse number four. Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded. Listen, it is commanded. This is a decree of the king. O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the music, you fall down and... Uh-oh. You fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So, so it wasn't just a party. It wasn't just a dedication of this 
cool statue that Nebuchadnezzar built. No, he is mixing politics and what? Come on, everybody. Religion. He's bringing it all together. He's bringing it all together. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You control people with two things. Politics and bringing it together. Number two, number two. Let's see his intention. First we see the image and then we see the intention. What's the point? What's he trying to do? What's up his sleeve, if you will? Well, I believe with all my heart, three things I want to give you tonight. First of all, I believe he's trying to defy the prophetic dream. Write that down and I'll explain. Richard, what do you mean defy the prophetic dream? How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember the last chapter where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream? Y'all remember that? Had a dream. And, and this dream spooked him and he was like just wigging out over this dream. And he had, he said, if y'all don't, if y'all don't interpret this dream, I'm going to kill all of you. Well, Daniel shows up on the scene and make a long story short. He told him what that dream meant. And that dream was an image, right? It was an image. Well, head, ahead of, come on, everybody, ahead of gold, just the head. And then we have the silver and the brass and then the iron, right? Okay. Uh, now, what is, the, what is this image made of? How much of it? All of it. Now, watch this. When there was a change in metal, when it went from gold to silver, what did that represent? Say it again. A change in empires, a change in regimes. In other words, when it went from gold to silver, Nebuchadnezzar's empire was gone. It was over. So what is Nebuchadnezzar doing here? He's building the whole image made of I don't care what God says. I don't care what the dream says. I don't care what Daniel says. I am going to rule forever. He's defying God. Not going to be gold, silver, uh, brass, and iron. It's going to be all. Are y'all with me? He's defying. He is, he is throwing his fist in the face of God. Then, then I believe Secondly, more practically, he's trying to unify all the people under his rule. He's defying God and he's trying to unify all the people, all of these people of different nations, different nationalities, different languages. Because look what it says. Look what it says in, in uh, 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 verse four, verse four. Then a herald cried aloud to you, it is commanded. Watch this. Oh, people. Nations and now here's what he's thinking. This is what got this whole thing stirred up to begin with because he was sitting there thinking and worrying about his kingdom. You remember? Cause Daniel told him, he said, the reason you're having this dream is because what you've been thinking about. So God is answering <coughs> or, or giving you the answer of the problem you've been worried about. He was worried about his kingdom. So what did God do? God gave him a dream and told him how his kingdom would be and how, basically how his kingdom would end. Are y'all with me? 
So now, now, this is probably, uh, this is probably 20 years, 15 to 20 years into the deal, okay? Since the, since the, uh, 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 the interpretation of the dream in chapter number two to where we are today is probably about 15 years into the deal. And, and now he's had time to think. He's had time to think. I need to unify all these people. I need to get them under me. I need to make sure that they are under control. I need to make sure they don't rebel. Are y'all with me? So what's he going to do? He's going to bring them in under politics and and religion. We'll just all worship the same. We'll just all be the same. We'll, we'll unify and all be one religion and one government. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Is this starting to sound a little eerie? Wait till the last point. All right. Defy the prophetic dream. Unify his kingdom and most like mankind, magnify his own glory. Magnify his own glory. This is one proud, arrogant dude. But (laughs) wait till till we get on into Daniel. You're going to find God has a way with prideful men. But he wants to magnify his own glory. He, he sits around. He, he loves to sit around and look what he's done. Look at my kingdom. We'll, we'll see that soon, soon. And so he's making all the people to come. You're going to bow down. You're going to worship. So he's, he's mixing religion in here. He's wanting to unify. He's wanting to control the people. He's wanting to make sure he's got his, his hands upon them. And he said, if you don't, you don't, it's going to be bad. You're gonna, we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. Well, there was some fellas there that didn't, didn't agree with his, his command. We know, we know who they are. We know that they are God's men, uh, the, the, the young men of Israel. And so number three, if you're writing this down, we see number one, the image, number two, the intention. Number three, look at the insubordination, insubordination. Now, I put the, def- the, the definition there because, you know, anytime you see the word insubordination, that's usually a bad term or, a, or, or you know, described in a bad way. So, well, Christians should not be, uh, you know, uh, be guilty of insubordination. Well, it might if it's at the right time. There is a time for insubordination. Now, what is insubordination? Defiance of authority, refusal to obey orders. Now, have y'all noticed that Daniel and the three Hebrew children were very compliant? They've been very compliant. They've served, they've served as slaves. They served as servants and uh, they've done everything and they were compliant as long as it did not break God's word. But when things in the government begins to cross the line with God's word, there's time for some insubordination. Now, let me give you three things here. First of all, first of all, the reason, the reason for their stand. Why would they have such a problem with this? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? You know, it's just a statue. Probably no one would ever say anything. It wouldn't be that big a deal. But you see, the problem was that these, these young men knew God's word. They knew in Leviticus 26.1 or 
it says, ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. You see, they couldn't. They had a reason. They wasn't just bucking the system because they didn't want to do it. They wasn't just giving uh, their captors a hard time. They wasn't just uh, being rebellious. They had a verse. Say that with me. They had a Man, we need a group of people that'll get a verse. Amen. We need to have a verse. We need to know what scripture says. We need to know where we stand. We need to stand for something or we'll fall for. Amen. They had a verse. They had a reason to stand. We cannot. We will not. God's word said. They didn't say the preacher said or the priest said or the superintendent said. God's word says you will not bow down to an image. Church, say amen. Amen. The reason for their staying, they had a word. God said not to. B, the resistance to their staying. The resistance to their staying. Verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Here's here's what I want everybody to get. Here's what I want everybody to get. If you take a stand, there will always be resistance. If you are not experiencing some sort of resistance in your life, you're probably not taking a stand. If you're doing right, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, somebody is not going to like what you're doing. Do you remember, do you remember when, when, when the prophet came uh, to work on the wall? Y'all remember? They had people saying, it's going to fall down. It's going to fall down. A road it can run up against and it's going to fall down. Won't you come down? He said, I can't come down because I'm doing a good work. Are y'all with me? But he faced resistance. Everyone that does right faces resistance. If you're living right in this culture, if you're doing right in this culture, you will face resistance. Now, we can't get sideways about that. Look what Jesus said about that. John 15, John 15, verse 18. If the world, come on, everybody, y'all get with me. Y'all get loud, all right? If the world hate you, you ye know that it what? It hated me first. If ye were of the world, the world would. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Preacher, what are you saying? If somebody's giving you grief. Now, now, now Peter said this. Don't, 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 don't be a jerk. Don't, 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 don't treat people bad and don't, don't be a heathen. Don't be a, 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 a moron out there and then claim when people don't like that, that you're suffering for Jesus. No, that's not, no, no, that's not. But if you are living right, 
doing right, standing right, looking, doing everything you can to serve God. And there are people that don't want it. They don't like it. They hate you. Then man, you need to rejoice because they hated Jesus. They'll hate you. I think it was John R. Rice. I think John R. Rice said to a young pastor, a young pastor said, listen, why you always talk about the devil fighting you and, 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 and resisting you? He says, why doesn't he fight me that much? He said, son, if you jerked on the devil's tail as much as I do, he'd mess with you too. <laughs> expect it. Expect it. Brother Travis, expect it. Listen, it, it, it's going to come. If it don't, if it don't, something's wrong. Because you got to understand everything, everything about the Christian culture, everything about the Christian way of life is anti everything out there. The way you live, what you think, how we dress, how we live, how we treat people, the standards we, we, we follow, the, 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 the word that we believe, everything is anti everything out there. So if we can live a reasonably easy life with no friction, we might want to check the direction we're going. Are y'all with me? So listen, if you're finding resistance and trying to serve God, hey, you're in good company. Good company. We see the reason for their stand. They had a word. The resistance to their stand. Somebody didn't like it. Somebody told on them, ratted them out. That's okay. That's okay. Because, see, they had a reassurance for their stand. A reassurance for their stand. What reassured them? They had another word. Now, watch this. Watch what they said. Watch what they said. When they, when they were confronted by the king, the king gave them one more chance. And so, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they respond back to the king. Verse number 16. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And by the way, when you have a word, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. And let me give you some, some, some real good news too. Nobody in here has to defend God. You don't have to, you don't have to take up for the Lord. Some of y'all are thinking, what are you talking about? You don't, you don't have to defend God. Just say what God said. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Period. You don't have to defend God. God doesn't need defending. He's big. It's like the word. Some people say you got to try to defend the word. You don't have to defend the word. It's like a lion. You let it out of the cage. It'll do the job. Amen. They're saying, we're just going, we're just going to tell you like it is. We're not going to, we're not going to try to give you an explanation. We're just going to tell you straight up. And that's exactly what they did. Now I'm going to tell you why they could do that. Look what it says. We're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve, our God whom we serve is what? He's able to deliver us out of the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, watch this. Isaiah, 
Isaiah? What reassured them? What gave them the ability to stand before that king with their head held high and with confidence and assurance and know we can stand here with God on our side? Watch what Isaiah 43. They remember what old, old pastor Isaiah said. Look what he said. Isaiah 43. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Say it with me. Everybody, fear not. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, what does it say? Say it again. I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Preacher, what gave him confidence? They had a, they had a word. They had a verse. Listen, don't walk around. Don't walk. And please, everybody look at me because you, 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 need, you need to get this. You need to get this. I'm telling you, you need to get this. Don't just have faith. Don't just have a preacher say, oh my, I, I got faith. In what? Listen, your faith is as only good as the object of your faith. I got faith in God. Okay, where are you getting that from? What's supporting that? What is supporting that faith? These old boys said, I got faith in God. I've got faith in God that everything's going to be okay. He said, listen, we, our God is able to deliver us. Now, why would they say that? And how could they say that? Because they had a verse. They could go back to Isaiah and know that God said, don't be afraid. I will be with thee. If you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. Say amen. If you're going through a difficult situation, find you a verse. If you're going through a trial in your life, find you a verse that you can hold on to. Listen, the word of God is an anchor for the soul. You need to know the word. You need to know what God has promised you and what God has given you and what God will do for you and how powerful and strong God is. You can't just say, I believe. What do you believe? And what is your belief based on? Theirs was based on a word. They had a verse. They had an anchor that they could hold on to and say, hey, king, everything's going to be all right. You remember what Isaiah said? Are y'all with me? This is so important. This is so important. You can't have faith in faith. You got to have an object of your faith. What is your faith anchored to? Do you have a word for what you're believing that God will do for you? Then, then. Listen, when you, when you have a word, when you have a word, you're, you're able to say, but if not, but if not, this is real faith. This is not a, this is not a bargaining chip. I can't tell you how many people, I can't tell you how many people who, who, who try to bargain with God. God's not in the bargaining business. God, if, God, if you, if I, I, I'll, I'll do all of this. If you'll just get me out of, or Lord, if you'll just heal this situation, or if you'll just do. Yeah. No, it can't be that. It needs to be God. I know you can. Yeah. I know you can. But whether you do or not, I'm here. Hey. And I believe you. And if you don't, I'm going to trust that was the best decision. 
I remember <laughs> Brother Craig Edwards. Most of y'all remember our Bible conference speaker. He came and he's got major health issues, just, just major health issues. They did, they took out a bunch of his colon and they messed up a bunch of nerves in the surgery. That's just, it's this chronic pain that is just terrible, just terrible. He told me one day he was, he was in a motel room. He's on the road preaching all the time. And he was in a motel room and he was laying on the floor. He said his face in the carpet, just laying on the floor in pain and struggling. And, and he said, God, he said, he said, if you'll touch me, I'll serve you. If you'll heal me and take this pain away, I'll preach till my dying breath. He said, but God, if you don't, I'm going to serve you anyway. And I'm going to preach till my dying breath. God, just give me the grace to deal with whatever your decision is. And man, we have to have, we have to come to a place where we can say he can. But if not. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is have a word. His word was don't bow down to an image. That's the, I'm not going to do that. That gave them the ability to decide. Are y'all with me? The Leviticus verse gave them the ability to decide. Say that with me. Gave them the ability to decide. The the other verse, Isaiah verse, gave them the, the ability to be determined. To stick it out. To have confidence. That everything was going to be okay. Church, say amen. amen. They had a word. We see the reassurance for their stand. The reason for their stand. The resistance to their stand. Then number four. Let's look at the indignation. The indignation. Verse 19. This didn't sit too well with the king. An arrogant man don't like to be told no. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's coming, and I think God just puts this in there, do you know that's not fake fire? Y'all remember, y'all remember Daniel? Remember when he went, when, when they put Daniel in there and, and, and they didn't eat Daniel? Well, maybe they wasn't hungry. <laughs> he threw all the rest of them in there, and what happened? Tore them all to pieces. And I believe this verse is to show you that it was a real fire. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, what's that word? Bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Three things I want you to see. First, the king's fury. The king's fury, verse 19. He was, he was livid. He was in a rage. <clears throat> then B, look at the king's face. It says his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The whole expression of his face changed. I was thinking about that, and it may not even be a big deal, but I, I, I couldn't help, it just stood out to me for some reason. 
But there's another time that something of this nature happened. And it's right in the beginning of the, of the history of humanity. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 5, it says, how many of y'all remember that there was a Cain and Abel? Y'all remember? Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And, and, and Abel brought the, the lamb, the, the right sacrifice that God had required. And Cain brought the works of his hand, the, the fruit of the ground. And God accepted Abel and rejected Cain. How many of y'all remember that? How many of y'all know that didn't sit right with Cain? I'm to, to the point he murdered his brother, right? Look what it says. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very, and his what? His countenance fell. Completely changed everything. Be careful, guys. Your face is a mirror to your soul. The king's fury, the king's face. But then look at the king's foolishness. He was so mad. He was so angry. He said, crank that baby up seven times hotter than it normally is. Like, like, like the level it was wouldn't do the job. How many of y'all know when you get angry, you do stupid things? Look what, look what it says. Look what it says. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be. Why? For anger resteth in the bosom of. Say, why are you saying he was foolish? Well, he lost his best men. He lost his best men in the army because he was so angry and he could not control his own temper and his own anger. And it cost some good men their lives. How many people are dying all over the U.S. right now because people are out of control? Road rage. Road rage is at an ep- just a, 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 an epidemic proportion. People getting angry at nothing. Beep your horn at somebody or, or, or whatever. They, 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 you could wave at somebody and they take it wrong. And anger, anger, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. If you got an anger problem, you're a fool. You need to deal with it. And by the way, go look in Proverbs. You'll see a bunch of verses, a bunch of verses that deal with this topic. Be careful when you get angry, especially if you get angry fast. I know we're not on the anger subject, but let's deal with it while we're here. If you get angry very quickly and it doesn't take much to set you off, you need to sit down and talk to somebody. Because that's a, that's a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous thing. We see his indignation. This is the part we've been waiting on. We see the intervention. <clears throat> Let's review. Let's review since you flipped the page. Number one. Uh-huh, you had to flip back, didn't you? Number one, we see the, we see the image. Number two, intention. The intention. What was he doing with this image? What was, it, what, was he trying to, what was he trying to do? He's trying to control the people. He's mixing politics and religion together to get control of the people. Number three, insubordination. How many of y'all know there's time to take a stand? Amen? Anytime, what's, what's, the, what's the guideline? What's the guideline for insubordination? Anytime it crosses God's word, you go with God. 
Peter, Peter gave a great illustration of this in the book of Acts when they arrested them and they took them in and, and threatened them and said, don't be preaching no more in this name. He said, should we obey men or God? So we, you know, we, we'd love to do what you said, but God told us to. And we have to obey God rather than men. When it comes time, when, when the laws force you to disobey God, it's time for insubordination. Church, say amen. Number four. Indignation, angry king, angry king. Number five, we see the intervention. The intervention, verse 24, verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished or astonished. He rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men, what's that word? Bound into the midst of the fire. They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He, man, I love this. He answered and said, lo, I see four men and they are, they're loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. First of all, I want you to write this down. First, there's a divine presence. There's a divine presence. Isaiah said, if you walk through the fire, I will be with you. God is a refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. I'll never leave thee. I'll never for, I'll never forsake thee. Here's, a, here's one I want, you to, I want you to look at in your notes. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, here's the here's the thing. Everybody wants to experience the power of the resurrection. Everybody wants to experience the power of answered prayer. Everybody wants to feel or have or God to move in their life in a supernatural way. We want every prayer answered just how we ask them. Come on now, y'all quit looking at me like y'all. Come on. I know who I'm talking to. Don't we? We want everything to be fixed. We want everything to be right. We want everything to be good. We want everything to be, we want the power of the resurrection. Son, we don't like, we don't like. The, the crucifixion scene, we like the resurrection scene. But Paul says, I, I, I don't want to just know that. But I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, I don't think Paul is a type of person that just loves pain. And I don't think he's just saying, hey, I just love to hurt. And I just love trouble. And I just love hard times. I know that's not the case because he begged God three times to remove a painful situation out of his life. Yeah. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah. that? That thorn, he said, please, please beg God three times. So Paul is not just this, this type of person who loves pain. But there is something he loved in the pain. And that was the fellowship he had with Christ. Yeah. 
What Paul had learned is that sometimes the closer you are to God is those times in the valley, those times in the fire, those times in the difficulty. It's not, listen, you you, you are not in a place where you really have to have God on the mountaintop. But boy, when you're down in the valley or you're in the fire or you're going through a hard time, you need God. And boy, that's the time you're going to have God. You'll have his divine presence. You'll feel and experience Christ more in the fire than you ever will on the mountaintop. You'll have his presence, that fellowship, two fellas in the same ship, amen? You're walking with him. He has walked. I, I love, I love that. I, you know, I'm not much on posters and cliches and all that kind of stuff, but that footprint's in the sand deal. I, I'm telling you, that's legit. If you've never seen it, you need to get one of those poems of footprints in the sand. It talks about there, you know, two footprints in the sand. And then all of a sudden there's one set of footprints. And, and they said, Lord, I, you know, I know those footprints represent you walking with me and being with me in my life. But man, it seemed like the hardest times of my life. There was only one set of footprints. Why'd you leave me? He said, I ain't where I left you. I was carrying you. We need to understand in that fire, we'll find his presence. His presence. He will walk with us. He will walk with us. He will be with us. He's not just going to rescue it out of it. He's going to get in there with you. Church, say amen. Amen. His divine presence. But then this is a cool thing that stood out to me today. Might not mean nothing, but it stood out to me. His divine provision. Provision. You say, what do you mean provision? Well, Andy, this is what I saw. They tied him up. They tied him up. You say they, you say, well, what's so significant about that? That's why they fell down. I believe they tied their legs too. I believe they tied everything. Tied their hands, tied their legs, tied everything. Because it says they fell down. When, you, when your legs are tied, you can't walk. Say amen. They were tied. They were bound. But what did God do? He loosed them. He burned up what had them bound. And this is my thinking. How many times are we bound by things in this world? How many times has, have we been bound by fear? Maybe we've been bound by uh, a fear of man or, or, or uh, 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 we have, sometimes we have problems being people pleasers. We're bound by so many different things that it takes the fire to loose us. It takes the fire to show us we don't have to be afraid that we don't have to fear man, that we don't have to be in doubt, that we don't have to walk around in worry. We don't have to be frustrated all the time. We don't have to be down and discouraged and depressed. Sometimes you got to go through the fire to realize what you got. He loosed them. Man, I started thinking about my life and some of the things that God helped me with. And the only way I got help with some of the issues I was struggling with, I had to go through the fire. I used to, I used to be really scared of people. Just and and not not necessarily scared of people like they're gonna beat me up or something, but scared of disappointing everybody. 
I grew up in a pastor's home where the pastor was treated kind of rough. I watched my father, I watched my father just pour his soul and his heart out to the point of neglect a little bit. Just to make sure to watch people stab him in the back and walk away. And growing up seeing that and then growing up in ministry, I'm always constantly afraid, you know, if this person's upset or that person. And, you know, sometimes God has he's had to take me through a difficult situation to realize he's the only one I got to please. And being bound by preconceptions or being being bound by different things, being being bound by lies that the devil will tell you. Bound by thoughts that you can't make it, thoughts you're not good enough, thoughts that you're. And sometimes God's got to take you through the fire and you're thinking he's making you suffer and he's just trying to burn the ropes that's got you bound. They fell down, but the king went, "Uh, boys, how many we throw down there? Y'all with me? We see Jesus' divine presence. We see his divine provision. But then we see his divine preservation or protection, whatever word you want to use. I don't even remember which one I put. Protection, preservation, it all worked. So how, 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 just how well did he preserve them, protect them? The smell wasn't even on them. The only thing that burned up was the ropes that tied them. Look what it says. Look what it says. This is great. Verse 27. You there say amen? amen. We got to hurry. We got to hurry. Oh, goodness. We got to hurry. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Hey, remember this. Tell your neighbor, the, gun, the devil's gunpowder can't burn until God's through with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, James was beheaded. Peter was, was arrested and jailed, and the same thing was going to happen to him, and God delivered him. You ever wonder about that? You ever wonder why God heals here and doesn't hear? God was through with James. He was finished. His race was done. So why didn't, he, why didn't, why didn't, why didn't Peter get killed? Because he had a job to do. Amen. No hurt, no hurt was on their bodies, nor was, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed. I mean, that's pretty thorough. Come on, guys. We had, we had a, y'all know we had a fire several years ago. Some of my suits and clothes and stuff. It was in that that section in the closet and all that. And man, we put them things in the in the uh, dry cleaners a couple of times, and you could still smell it. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And the the Bible says they walked out and God completely, completely preserved them. I think I think when them boys come out, I said, I told you. I would. 
I told you he was able. Now watch what happens. We gotta hurry. We gotta hurry. Look at number look at number number six. We see the influence. Sometimes when you're going through the fire, you don't realize that this could be a possibility. Because they went through the fire, they was able to influence the king. A, it was a revealing influence. The king got to see God. Let me say this, and I don't want to dwell on it because we don't have time. But keep this in mind when you're going through a trial. That that trial may not even be about you. I don't, I don't think, I don't think this was a faith builder for these boys. I've heard people say, oh, God was building their faith. Why well, didn't need to build it? They said, we ain't doing it. That's pretty good faith. Wouldn't y'all agree? I mean, there's a lot more than what some of us in here got. Say amen. So I, I don't, I don't even think this was about them. I think God wanted a arrogant, arrogant, full of himself king to see who was really in charge. So why do you think that? Let me, let's go up a verse. I, I, I forgot this. Look in verse number 15. Verse 15. Hurry, hurry, guys. You got to hurry. We've got six minutes. You remember when, when, the, when the king was giving them a second chance? He said, now I'm going to let them play this music again. I'm going to give you a second chance. Watch what. If ye worship not, are y'all there? It's like halfway through the verse. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Now read it with me, everybody. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of? God says, oh, really? I don't even I don't even believe this was about the three Hebrew children. Just like Job wasn't even about Job. God was showing himself to a wicked, arrogant king. What's the point? Trust God in your trial. Because somebody's watching. And and it may take you going through the fire. For them to see the God they need to see. Say well I don't want to be used like that. Well you might. You might want to be used like that. Well if it's not even about me. Why do I have to go through the fire? Well he can protect you. And. Watch this. Watch this. It was a revealing influence. But it was a rewarding influence. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse 30. After they, now, now watch what Nebuchadnezzar did. Let's go back to verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a little change in tune, wouldn't you say? Who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. Changed the king's word, yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language or speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces 
and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. Watch this. Here we go. Verse 30. Then the king, come on, come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Hey, 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 hey. We all want a promotion, but we don't want no fire. You may have to go through a little fire to get that promotion. But I promise you this, it pays to serve God. I promise you, it pays to serve God. Now, here's what I want to do in the last three minutes. What do we see prophetically in this chapter? How many of y'all remember when we started the book of Daniel? We said that Daniel is the Old Testament version of the New Testament what? Revelation, Revelation, right? I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter number 13. And let's see, let's see if we can find some similarities to this chapter in Revelation 13. You got to do it fast because we're running out of time. Revelation chapter number 13. Now, what do we have? What do we have in chapter three of Daniel? We have a tyrant king, tyrant ruler, right? We have a tyrant ruler. We have an image. We have a statue, uh, an image there, right? We have fire involved, right? We have a command to worship the image involved, right? And we have a death sentence if you refuse, right? Okay, let's, let's read through Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a, a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon the heads of the name of blasphemy. This is the antichrist. All right. We'll explain further in later chapters and go into more detail, but I'm just, cause we only got a couple minutes left. I'm telling you, this is the antichrist. And the beast which I saw was like that unto a leopard and his feet was as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now, I saw something on, on, on uh, I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw something about a statue that the uh, United Nations has put up that's just like this. Now, I, I can't confirm that. I was going to look it up and I forgot, but maybe next week I'm going to look that up. But somebody said it's in New York. There's a picture of it where it looks like a leopard. It's got the, the paws of a bear. The wing, the hold, just like what is, is seen here. But I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll find out next week. Number three. And I saw, and by the way, the dragon is Satan. Okay. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan. Okay. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. The beast is going to be wounded as, as if he's dead and he's going to revive. What does that sound like? A resurrection. The devil wants to replicate everything that God did. Now watch. They worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? 
And there was given unto him a mouth of speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. He's going to, there's going to be a reign of terror, a reign of terror for 42 months. By the way, that's half of the tribulation period. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now look at verse 11. And I beheld another beast. Now this is a smaller beast. This is the false prophet. Say it with me. We see the, this is the religious, this is the religious part of the deal. Okay. You have the dragon in the original beast. The dragon is Satan. Say that with me. The dragon is Satan. The beast is the antichrist. Say it with me. The beast is the antichrist. That is the political, the political form. Now we have a false prophet. He is a, he's going to be a religious leader leading people to worship that political leader. Are y'all with me? Okay. Now watch. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and calls the earth. Here it is. Calls the earth and them that dwell therein to what? Worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonder so that he maketh what? Fire. Fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make a what? Image, Image to the beast which he had the wound by sword and live, and he had power to give life into the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as, here it is, Calls that as many would not worship the of the beast should be killed. Now, so what do we have? We have a tyrant world leader, the Antichrist. And he has a basically a, a high priest or a prophet, a false prophet to lead religiously people to worship the Antichrist. So what is he doing? He's mixing politics and same thing. Identical same thing that was taking place in uh, Daniel chapter number three. All right. The image, the image in Revelation 13 is of the beast. The image is of the beast. That's why I believe the image in Daniel three was of Nebuchadnezzar. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so... Everything's lining up the same. We have a tyrannical leader. We have an image. We have fire involved. We have a death. If you do not worship this image, you will be killed. It's all there. I believe, you remember what we said? An Old Testament is a picture of what's coming in the New Testament. And, and later on in Daniel, later on in Daniel, we're going to go into more detail. And, and, and Daniel gives some of the most detail of the Antichrist in the Bible. But I believe that this is just a picture of what's to come during the tribulation period. There will be an image. There will be a command, an edict to, to worship and bow down. 
And, and, and later on in that, that chapter, in chapter 13, you see the, the mark of the beast and having to have the, 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 the numbers and the seals there. Listen, it's what's coming. Thank God. Thank God for the rapture. Thank God. All right, let's all stand. Everybody stand. Say, preacher, what do you want me to take from tonight? Hang in there. Hang in there. Get you a verse. Get you something to hold on to. Don't just try to have hope. Get you a verse. And say, God, here's my verse. And all God's people say it.